Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 64 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Tony Sharp. As the founder of Substation 33, it gives Tony great pleasure to see this social enterprise continuing to grow and develop, expanding into new and exciting subsets. Substation 33 provides meaningful work and skills development for volunteers and employees and generates social returns for YFS and the Logan community. Tony's role allows him to combine his business skills with his passion for improving opportunities for people who are traditionally marginalised from employment. Tony started community work as a youth worker at YFS in Logan, and part of this role included engaging at-risk young people in earning or learning. They recognised a big gap in the opportunities available for young people to learn and work in a supportive environment, and initiated work crew, a landscaping and property maintenance social enterprise. Tony's role at YFS developed into Social Enterprise Development Manager, allowing him to focus on generating more employment opportunities, not just for young people, but for other people with significant barriers to mainstream employment. Tony's passion lies in creating sustainable social enterprises that create opportunities for people to participate in a supportive work environment as they develop the skills and behaviours they need to work in mainstream workplaces. And as a result, Tony was the driving force behind the development and continued growth of the Independent Social Enterprise Network of Logan as the founding and current chair. So in 2017, Tony co-founded the inaugural Logan Startup Weekend, which ran recently. And so on today's podcast, we'll discuss Tony's insights into building successful social enterprises. We'll get Tony's thoughts and perspective on social enterprise opportunities, and we'll hear what Tony believes can be done to create stronger opportunities for positive social change. Tony, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you very much, Tom. So to start things off, Tony, could you please share a bit about your background and what led you down the path of social enterprise? Uh, I have been uh, self-employed, had own businesses for many years before I retrained as a youth worker and went to YFS. Mm. Um, my passion then, when I had small business, was to engage young people that were disengaged from community, really. Because once you trained them and got them working, they were workers for life. It was mm. really cool. And I really like to see, personally it was about my DNA, I really like to see people change and develop. And I always thought there was that 1% about there that we could make a difference to. Um, and that's the reason why once I got sick of that, you know, running a small business um, and life changes and moves, uh, I want to do something different. So yeah. that's why I became a youth worker. Mm. Um, and the first thing that happened for me when I was a youth worker was we were engaging contractors from across the border to my own lawns at YFS. So it didn't take much brain power to work out that we could do this and use uh, local labour to get this to happen. I don't know really why I um, reinvented myself as a landscape maintenance contractor again, but uh, I soon moved from that to substation 33 because my passion was about creating more of that stuff. Yeah, fantastic. So as you mentioned, you founded Substation 33 back in 2012. So can you tell us a little bit more about what Substation 33 does and why you started it? 
so substation 33 uh, collects and disassembles electronic waste as its primary focus, I suppose, but its, its secondary focus is around creating employment opportunities for people. Uh, I thought it had three or four people here working around. Um, you know, we had 400 people here last year pulling apart electronic waste. Mm. Some people turn up for one hour, some people stay for four years or five years. Yeah. Uh, but it's a really easy work. So, you know, the electronic waste recycling is easy work. You mm. pull apart it, you use what we class in the industry as first break, so it screws or clips. If you put a little bit of aluminium in the wrong bin or a little bit of steel in the wrong bin, it was going to landfill anyway before we got up with it. What does it matter? Just get on and do it. Yeah. So it's not anything to do really about electronic waste. We could probably do it with recycling cupcakes, but there's not a lot of flow of cupcakes, but there's a lot of electronic waste. So mm. that's why we chose electronic waste. And so I saw a really huge stat before about the amount of e-waste that you guys have recycled. Yeah. Tell us about that. Some more than 150,000 kilograms of electronic waste every year we recycle. But mm. the interesting step behind that, Tom, is that less than 5% ends up in landfill. So 5% of what we can't find a home for it ends up in landfill. But, you know, that's okay. Yeah, it's a great number. So how have you seen the social enterprise sector transform over the last five years or so? And where do you see social enterprise heading into the future? Well, I uh, obviously really well embedded into social enterprise in Logan through Substation 33. Um, I think Substation 33 is probably you know, getting up there in social enterprise in this country. Mm -hmm. It's five years old and yep. we keep fighting along, which yep. is really good. We keep reinventing ourselves, um, which is good. I believe social enterprise is the way of the future. And the reason I believe that is that I have so many young people, except Ray and Tom, who turn up here and want to talk about social enterprise and they talk to me about their inner passion, about not working for the big fella, but working for themselves and working for their passion and then We've got to stop worrying about the almighty dollar and we've got to start worrying about our own selves and about supporting other people. And what a fantastic way to support another human being mm. is through Substation 33 or similar social enterprises where you can work shoulder to shoulder with somebody. You're not supporting them. You're not doing anything with them. You're just hanging out with them and getting along with people. Yeah. That's what I think a good social enterprise looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So what advice would you give then to a budding social entrepreneur who's begun work on a project, but they want to start to grow and scale that a little bit to see that has larger impact? I don't believe that the first project they're going to take on is the one they're going to end up with. And uh, so Substation 33 is a very clear example of that. We thought we were about an electronic waste recycling business that was going to produce, you know, four employment positions over a 12-month period. 400 people have been here in the last 12 months alone. We create incredibly cutting edge technology. If you ask me about, I do code reviews, what does it even mean? Mm. But that's what a social enterprise is about. It's just a business. We know probably the word social enterprise is overused in a way. This is just a business that's going to go at 100 mile an hour. You've got to keep up with it. Yeah. But it has a social tilt to it. So the social tilt is we take in and look after marginalised people. Mm. And that marginalised person who thinks a marginalised person that might have been unemployed for five years might have this incredibly buried and talented skill set mm. that just has never popped itself to the surface because no, they've never been in the right place. Yeah. Substation not for everybody. I'm not saying it is. But for the people that love Substation 33, they grow, flourish and develop all the time to do that. Yeah, fantastic. So looking at social enterprise then from a policy perspective, what do you believe needs to be done by government to help foster and support an innovative social enterprise sector? So certainly high labour content work that can be ostracised off for social enterprise. Now I'm not talking about, uh, and Logan City Council is a very clear 
uh, mandate on that now, um, and it's being developed through the Independent Social Enterprise Network's work that we've been doing with the Open City Council and some of the work that's been done at Gold Coast and Brisbane. And so typically uh, what would happen in a, in a large uh, council area would be they would say that there's a 5% waiting on a contract. So let's look at some work that would be really easy for social enterprise to do. And I'm not talking about electronic waste recycling, I don't want any more of those alone, thank you. But I'm talking about landscape maintenance, I'm talking about catering, I'm talking about parks cleaning, I'm talking about utilities cleaning. I'm talking about the work that's high labour content and that's entry level work. So we can teach long term or marginalised people or you know early school leavers that have been unemployed for a while how to pick up rubbish. And mm. I'm not saying this is demeaning work at all, but I'm saying is it's, it's, it's work that we can we can teach people the skill sets on the very beginning. Yep. So instead of pulling off the work in and saying, well, here's a $100,000 a year contract, and we're going to give you a 5% waiting on it. What I'm saying is pull that $100,000 contract out and say, I only use social enterprise and true social enterprises can be intended for that work. There's still a million dollars worth of contracts out there for the mainstream boys, that's fine. So our job at social enterprises is not to become a large corporate job for social enterprises. My opinion today, anyway, is that we are training ground for people. Mm. So we we teach people skills, we get people skilled up, ready to go, and we get people out into the mainstream environment. Some really great perspectives there. So as the inaugural chair then of the Independent Social Enterprise Network of Logan, what are the aims of the network and what work is it doing now to fulfil those aims? So our aim is to, to, to show that social enterprise is active and vibrant and thriving in Logan. I believe that it needs to be community driven. So we class Logan as a community. Um, so we've got you know, 30 or 40 social enterprises in various shapes and forms in mm -hmm. Logan. We need to work together to enhance that subset of business to move it forward. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that we need to scale to multinational scale level. I think it needs to be done in small regional capacity. So mm -hmm. The business model around the Independent Social Enterprise Network of Logan has been duplicated in the Sunshine Coast and Harvey Bay now because they're looking for the same thing. We're just mm. looking for a, probably not another community service, but we're looking for a group of people that can network together. Yep. together. So what we're trying to do is a series of, of four, what we have done in the last uh, two years and we'll continue this year in 2018 is a series of four workshops um, around um, topics of interest for social enterprises and uh, in November time we'll have another Social Enterprise Expo slash conference slash get together. Yeah, fantastic. Mm. Really good. So you co-founded the 2017 Logan Startup Weekend, which saw a range of entrepreneurs coming together primarily to tackle these social environmental problems. So what were the highlights of the weekend? And if you were to do it again, what would you change? Uh, the highlights for the weekend for me is I met that myself um, less than eight weeks before we launched this thing. and eight weeks we got going. Mm. That was the highlight for me. Yeah. Uh, the other, the other things that stuck out for me really well was the fact that, you know, typically startup weekends uh, are done in uh, large cities in hired spaces, and I really wanted to experiment around bringing some more practical skill sets to the startup weekend and have it in a regional city. So, what a perfect place, Substation Thirty Three, yeah. to make a space on steroids. We had the start weekend in here. People were able to build and make things as well as code and develop things at the yep. same time. So it was a really interesting uh, thing. The good thing about it is that people can have a home to come back to. So they can not only develop their business model at the start weekend, that, you know, in a lot of cases, start weekend finishes on Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock, 
and they all go back into the vapour and they never see each other again. Yeah. So here with substation, we're open all the time. You can turn up any time and, and tweak that old concept or that old idea or have a look or have a conversation with the person at the minute start with. Mm. So I'm interested to find how we go in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months on that space. Yeah, it'll be really, really interesting to mm. watch. Yeah, I'm not too sure about what we do differently. Maybe uh, give ourselves a bit more time and prep. Yeah, that's the, probably how we work best, isn't it? Just the kind of volume. Give yourself a deadline, work to it, and get it done. You just get it done. <laughs> That's right. So what inspiring projects or initiatives have you come across recently which are creating this really positive social change? Uh, so certainly from Startup Weekend, there's Power Walls. Mm. It's front and centre for me. Yep. Um, you know, I love substation debt. Uh, substation's a great thing. But Power Walls will surpass substations every expectation without fail. Mm. Uh, the boys have done a really good job. So for those who don't know, Power Wells is a uh, is a power well. It's like it's built on the on the back of the old fashioned water well. The water well's a community gathering point. It's a place of learning, it's a place of gathering and communication. In um, in third world and developing countries this they're using mobile phones but there's no electricity. So the power well goes back to basics. It's a it's a well of recycled lithium-ion batteries that's powered by a solar panel, and underneath that solar panel is a recycled LED light. Yep. Uh, so at night time and the evening time, the kids can come and gather around the power wall and read a book or get educated after after hours. Mm. Um, the power wall also um, is a place where people can charge their mobile phones. Mm. We thought this was a good idea. It was something that was conceptualised at Startup Weekend. And as I said, normally Startup Weekends, you know, at the end of the weekend, the Google disappears. Yep. Um, Startup Weekend is held on the, um, uh, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, the boys flew the following Tuesday. They installed a power well in a remote Indonesian village on the Thursday and they flew back home on the Saturday morning. Now that's a Startup Weekend. Yeah. That's, yep. a, that's a project that's coming out of the room. Mm. And when they got there and they worked out that the, the local villages, more than a thousand villages of more than a hundred people, have no electricity. But nearly every single individual in that village has a mobile phone. And they use that mobile phone as a source of light to read a book at night. Mm. And they walk two days to charge that mobile phone. This is all falling into place. So we're not talking about something that we're going to go and reinvent the world or change what they're doing. Power Worlds wants to educate people in recycling laptop batteries and turning into a power source. Yeah. And they want to build that in the village and send it to the next village. Yeah, that's what we want to do. That, that's what they want to do, which is, which is what we call um, yeah, So Power Worlds, get on. I'll stick a link at the bottom of the article, that's for sure. Yep. So to finish things off, Tony, what are the top three books or top five or top I can two? I two. What would you recommend? Um, so the first book was a book I read when I started doing youth work. Um, and that book is called The Boy Who Thought He Was a Dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a, it's a, a psychology type book, not too heavy because I'm doing a lot of reading. But it was, it was just about the trauma that can be with you for the rest of your life if you've got really bad trauma when you're a young person, mm. a really young person. And for me, it just it just changed the way I look at humans completely and it stuck with me forever. Mm. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a really good book. Yeah, cool. Um, the other book that I like, or it's a series of books, it's called The Encyclopedia Botanica. And the reason I liked that really well was because we were um, sold that when I was probably seven or eight years old. And it was supposed to be a book for 20 years. And it was a book of, it's sat in our lounge room and it was pride and centre in our family home. Oh, many family homes. And the competition was the World Book, mm. of course. But the first duopoly, probably. But, you know, those books were very rarely open, or they were open as a reference book uh, in our family home when I was a young person growing up. The interesting thing about it now is I have a piece of plastic in my hand 
that I can look at any book anywhere in the world for free. Mm. And that is not 50 years time. Where's the next 50 years going to take us? So every time I think of, every time I hear about innovation and change, I'm thinking, we have changed. Yeah. Where is this thing going to end? It'll be very, very interesting to watch as Substation 33 moves forward, that's for sure. Tony, thanks so much for sharing your really generous insights and time today. We very much appreciate it and we'll certainly be watching you as you move forward. Thank you very much, Tom. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.